number one, a kickstart for Australia, gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners, Donovan Bailey is putting on a third, he's got it! A perfect score, 10.0 for Darcy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record, 9.68. The wind is okay. Hello everybody and welcome to Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast, I think. Um, we haven't done this in a while. We, Matter of fact, we've been about two years since we've spoken to anyone and at this rate, we probably will all be speaking to everyone for a lot longer for the next two years because no one knows what on earth is happening right now. It has literally taken a global pandemic to finally get us back on the air and we thought we would have been back on the air earlier to preview an Olympic Games that are supposedly only four months away, but only kidding, we don't know when they're happening, if they will happen at all, because we have a postponed Olympics. Tokyo is no longer Tokyo 2020, it's Tokyo 2021, asterisk, maybe. So we will have to find out... <laughs> question mark? Question mark. <laughs> find out what's happening, and we're here to talk about everything that's happening, everything that's happened since Pyeongchang, and... Who knows what else? Because we don't even know what we're doing. Uh, I'm going to introduce my two co-hosts right now on the line, including the one man who is literally the one man left in Winnipeg. It is Mr. Colin Hilding. Hello, Colin. Welcome back to Off the Podium. Thank you. And I'm turning quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Uh, And speaking of quarantine, it's a man who is used to it because he's from Emu Plains. It's Jared Lubick. Hello, Jared. Welcome back. Thanks. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, could be better circumstances, but, you know, um, any chance to talk the Olympics, whether they're happening or not, uh, is a bonus in my book. Let, let's be honest. It's not a good time for podcasts uh, that we're all connected to. Uh, first, James Bond got postponed. Then Eurovision <sighs> got cancelled. Now the Olympics. Um, I think we might be out of the job, guys. Um, I don't really know what's happening anymore. Um, this is this is a bit of a crazy times. But, I mean, let's start with the obvious. The Olympics are sadly uh, no longer happening this year uh, due to a little thing called coronavirus. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of it, but it's. Uh, I think it's happening some places around the world. Um, Colin, I'll start with you. Disappointing. Uh, you know, how, how did yeah. this make you feel to kind of hear that they eventually... They they caved and they've eventually postponed the games. Uh, well, first, I, I, we really can claim that we canceled the Olympics here because there was only two countries before the announcement was made that said they're not attending, and that was yes. Canada and Australia. So you're welcome, people. Um, it is. It's as a fan, I'm disappointed. I know when they were throwing it around, talking about it, you know, and then you'd hear the IOC saying, you know, we're still determined the Olympics are going to happen, you know, in uh, August or July, August, whatever. I was thinking, okay, I really want them to happen. That's as a fan. When all the athletes started speaking up, you know, and literally all the athletes speaking up saying, you know, this is not a good idea. First, I was thinking, well, you know, what if it all, you know, just blows over by then? I mean, if everything's fine by July, isn't fine. And then they start making the point, you know, okay, well, we have no opportunities to train now. You can't train in your living room, you know. Uh, And then it started to click with me. Okay, do we want a second-rate Olympics? Do we want, you know... 
to just be watching the Pan Am Games. Uh, if we want that, let's watch the Pan Am Games. We want the Olympics. Let's get the best out of it. So I completely understand the decision, but still a part of me is like, ah, oh, I, I was going to book vacation to watch the Olympics. What am I going to do now in July and August? Uh, Jared, um, how, how are you feeling? I mean, gosh, you know, Eurovision for you and now the, the Olympics. I mean, I, I don't even know what you're doing right now with your life. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's one thing after another. Um, I think if anything, kind of losing Eurovision beforehand, I'm pretty sure it was the same week, kind of both were uh, cancelled, at least with the Olympics. It was postponed and it's still technically the 2020 Olympics in 2021. Um, but yeah, just gutted that kind of both of them happened at the same time. With the Olympics, it kind of felt like a more obvious decision that it was always going to kind of end up that way. I feel like they dragged out the postponement a bit, but it wasn't like with Eurovision where they're presenting all these like alternate options of like no audience or like home broadcasters or whatnot. So um, I think, yeah, I think losing Eurovision the same week softened the blow and the fact we were only waiting a year and I kind of feel like this is going to go really quickly. Um, and I think too, it kind of presents some potentially exciting opportunities depending on what the, the rules are going to be with uh, qualification and if uh, some a couple of new athletes can get in there. Um, yeah, so I think just it was the right decision, um, and 2021, um, it's just going to be great anyway, so um, looking forward to it. I think it was important for them to, you know, hold off as long as they could. I mean, it was inevitable that it was going to happen, let's be honest, but I think that, you know, a lot of people were, were jumping the gun and saying, like, oh, cancel this now, but I mean, it's... It's a very expensive uh, little project, the Olympics, and obviously the amount of money that Japan are putting into this and everything along those lines. And I realise this isn't all just about money, but I, I think just the the length of time that they took to, to finally make the announcement, I, I don't know. Like I, I think that everything has developed so quickly, particularly every week, every day. Literally, it is just going so quickly how much this is developing. So, I mean, on the flip side, had things not gone as rapidly as they had and things had slowed down and they all of a sudden cancelled it or postponed it then all of a sudden go actually no it's it's getting better guys like everything's fine we'll be back to normal by may then they would have been going "Uh oh you know that that was a bit of a hasty decision so i mean yeah as i agree with you both the only decision they could have made uh realistically with it but um you know i think that i think that they kind of they took as much time as they could when it came to this and uh, obviously, you know, now the decision has has been made. So we're still we're still waiting on dates, though, aren't they? Like they haven't officially announced anything uh, in terms of twenty twenty one. Because Colin, you made the good point, I think, when we were having a bit of a chat, that essentially uh, we could be in the very unique position that we're going to be having a summer games and a winter games within six months of each other. Which I mean, that's something that. I know it's happened within my lifetime, but like I don't really remember it. You know, whatever Olympics I did watch, you know, pre-1994, you know, I may see one event here or there or if my parents were watching something, but I wasn't closely following it. So, I mean, from me as an Olympic fan growing up, it's always been the two years apart, but we're really not that far removed from, you know, what are we, 25 years from when they split them every two years apart. This used to be the norm. You, You would have the summer and the winter games just six months apart you know they, they i guess they kind of said at the very latest it will be next july or august so depending on climate and stuff like that you know, there's a possibility maybe we end up getting the summer olympics in march or april <laughs> it's really nice outside <laughs> uh but yeah i the postponement will be the very latest but it's it's 
it's going to be a very busy six months for us too. That's the other thing to consider, you know. Yeah, they don't think of us, do they? They they really don't think of us. People don't realize this takes a lot of work to sit there and talk every single night for one hour. I mean, forget about the athletes go through. Think about how tired we are at the end of 16 days. Just literally no one thinks about how, you know, podcast hosts have to deal with this situation. It's always about, oh. Will someone please think of the podcasters? You know, boo-hoo. These people are getting sick and, oh, the elderly might die. Well, I mean, come on. What about us? All right? Like, you know, we're tired too, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jared, Jar- get in there. Jar- Jared's lost Eurovision. Think about Jared. Yeah. <laughs> Jared doesn't care. He's so <laughs> angry, he can't even speak. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at 1992. Albaville was uh, 8th of February to 23rd of February, so closed on the 23rd of February, and the opening ceremony of Barcelona was on the 25th of July, so that's only, what, five months so yeah, I mean, like, gosh, we were all alive. I think Jared, you were were you alive in 1992, Jared? Uh just, just okay, just. just. All right, there you go. Thank he you. He remembers uh, it though. He does. Of course, um, he remembers it better than you. Really. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like obviously, you know, that, again, as you said, Colin, that was the norm. But I guess for most people now, it's it's a very strange fact. But also the fact too that I mean, they're basically just over the river from each other in a way in some aspects. Beijing and um, Japan. I mean, uh, Tokyo. I mean, I realize. A little bit more than a river. It's not really a river. I understand it, but I know the geography. But it's it's very close. Whereas, I mean, I guess technically, then Albaville in France, Barcelona in Spain, just down the road. So uh, interesting. But yeah, you you made the point. Obviously, uh, both of you think about the you know the athletes training and everything because you know it, it, the varying countries on lockdowns and everything. Like you know, a lot of the African countries, for example, hadn't really affected Africa as much as it had say impacted Europe. So. You know, we're all of a sudden, a lot of these European countries not able to send their athletes. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden we're getting like Burkina Faso uh, people winning the 100 meter butterfly in the swimming pool. And (laughs) Eddie the Eel uh, is finally winning something from Equatorial Guinea, you know, uh, 20 years later after Sydney. So it would have been very interesting. But it really was that trigger point, wasn't it? That Canada announced that, hey, guys, no, we're not doing it. Then Australia did it. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, everyone else. I, I mean, spending a few days as a refugee in the United States lately and watching some of the, the coverage there, I actually, where I was staying, had the Olympic Channel, and basically all the news coming through on that was saying that all these US athletes are basically saying, like, no, we're not going. Like, America didn't make a, a you know, official announcement. But, Jared, I haven't been in Australia, so, I mean, you know, w- was this a huge talking point amongst athletes? Was the Australian Olympic Committee just finally forced into just saying, like, nah, we're not going? Yeah, I think it was just, as we've talked about, kind of the build-up of seeing that, okay, this is not, like, dying down. If anything, it's escalating. Um, and I think projecting forward to, to realise that, hey, like, that's not going to be soon enough uh, and, and an end point to this. So, yeah, I think just um, probably the lack of, of information and just people kind of sitting on their hands and waiting just got a bit fed up and, and seemed to kind of make the decision and the right decision, which was echoed a couple of days later. And Colin, I wasn't in Canada at the time that Canada uh, announced that they weren't doing this. Was this a similar thing? I mean, this. I mean, as I said, Canada was the first. I mean, Canada kind of, you know, pulled pulled the trigger with this. Yeah, and I mean, I think everybody in Canada saw it coming because it was all over the news here and all over social media. Not just the athletes, but you know, uh, like the the government of Canada. Like anybody in Canada was saying we need to pull out. 
there was even um, somebody on the, um, uh, I don't even know what it's called, the Canadian Olympic Committee, whatever it is, uh, that was saying, uh, I, I pretty much guarantee that they will postpone this. But then a couple days passed, and then, oh, they're going to postpone it, I already have heard. And then a couple days passed, and then suddenly Canada says, no, we're pulling out. Um, it, it really is interesting, like, the, the one who pulled the trigger, because that's what we're kind of seeing with everything, you know? Like, you mentioned James Bond. James Bond's the first movie to delay itself, and then within days, all these other movies are delaying themselves, you know? And then, uh, I can't remember what movie it was that said, we're going to go digital uh, early, and then every movie's doing that. It's like, everybody has the same idea, and they're just waiting to see who's going to have the balls to go first. You know, in a way, I, I, I think... I was expecting it to drag out longer where we'd see more countries. Cause I think that even the IOC knew they were going to do this. They were just hopeful or maybe they didn't want to be the bad guys because even after Canada made their announcement, suddenly it was okay. We're going to wait four weeks. We, we set a deadline of four weeks. We're going to decide. And then Australia and they're like, all right, four weeks is done. 48 hours. It is, you know? Yeah. So it was, the decision was probably just like it's been all over the news here. The decision probably was made at that point, but you just, wanted somebody else to be the bad guy you know in this case i think everybody's accepted enough that canada australia aren't looking at, at like they're the bad guys or anything you know it's just like oh what a smart move the other thing that a lot of people have been saying with this whole situation going back to the length of time it took for the ioc to finally pull the pin and basically say let's delay this a lot of people have been critical of them a lot of people are calling for our man thomas bark to to step aside he's saying he's not ah, he's gonna ah, 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 ah. he's gonna he's gonna stay um no doubt uh in office just because he's apparently got to start his speech now for the tokyo 2021 olympics and he might be finished by the time they roll around um i mean is that did do we think he should stand aside do you think he needs to take uh something on board with this or do you think that's unjustified i'll start with you colin no i mean See, there's so many people, even, this is even aside from the Olympics here, there's so many people with the, you know, the, the coronavirus who are just looking to blame whoever's in power, whether it be government, big business, whatever. And every single time I see that, including when people pick on Trump, by the way, which I'm not a fan of Trump, but a lot of the criticisms are warranted. But you also have to understand nobody has ever been faced with a situation before. So everybody's going to make mistakes. You know, I heard uh, somebody, a high-ranking person in just you know, a random company that, that made a quote saying, we're all human and we had no way to prepare for this. So we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to try to correct those mistakes. So as far as I'm concerned, I think everybody deserves at least a bit of a free pass because while you can prepare for you know a nuclear war, you can prepare for a tornado – Nobody's really thought, what do we actually do in the case of a pandemic? Because there is no way to control it. You know, I, I, I do think that it's funny that, you know, Thomas Bach is taking heat for this, though, because, you know, I think we made him a star. So let's <laughs> <laughs> if he does have to step down, let's jump on the band, bandwagon here and let's uh, not jump on the bandwagon. What's the opposite of that? Let's jump off the bandwagon. Jump off the bandwagon. Let's, yep. Yep. Yeah. Let, let's start a campaign to get uh, the good count here uh, kept on in power. <laughs> Jared, do you, do you have any viewpoint on it? Nah, Thomas Bach is alright in my book. I think cancelling, what, four months out? That's enough notice. Yeah. It's like the evening beforehand, like the, mm. the people are dressed up, ready to go in their Mario suits or something like that, whatever the opening ceremony was going to be, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, by the way, guys, cancelling it, sorry. I mean, I, 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 I experienced that. I was lined up at the gates of the Australian Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't know what was going on, so they said, oh, Grand Prix's off. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
See you guys. Um, thanks for that. What, what I but find, like you, I just wanted to mention you. You said okay. Well, yeah. Obviously, it's not just about money. That does play a huge part because no matter where you're living in the world right now, if you're hit by this, it has such a huge impact on businesses. Governments are having to bail business out. I mean, it's going to take the economy just in countries where they're closing down retail stores. It's going to take them a year, two years, maybe longer to recover from this. Something like the Olympics, that's basically throwing like everything you have at it, even for a country as prosperous as Tokyo. I mean, we talked about back in Rio, you know, the, the unfair criticism that uh, you know they were getting uh, for the conditions and stuff like that. And people were not even considering the fact it's like not every Olympics has to be in like the most wealthy nations. But even in a country like Japan, this is going to have a huge impact on their economy to even postpone it. I mean, what do you do? Like, this is why you can't blame them for saying, oh, well, we were looking at all options. Like, should we delay it for a month? Well, can you get those venues in a month? Can you delay it for a year? Well, what else is going on in a year? You know, there's no way to know that. And that's a very important thing too to, yeah, I think absolutely, because, you know, while it's easy for people to criticize people who are talking about things like money in these situations when human lives are at stake, I think it's also very important to think that, well, human lives are still at stake when it comes to money and it comes to the economy and it comes to this. Because, you know, Japan, I I was reading a very good article the other day, I think, on Reuters, and it was basically going into the nitty-gritty of the economy and how much Japan was relying on this. And, you know, the Olympics, this isn't this isn't the Australian Grand Prix. This isn't Eurovision. Two very, you know, big events that, you know, cost a lot of money, bring in a lot of money. This is the biggest sporting event in the world, one of the biggest gatherings, one of the biggest events in the world in general. Um, and the amount of, you know, infrastructure and everything that is needed to put into this, you can't make that decision overnight and lightly. And on the, on the side of that thing, too, you talk about, like, scheduling and everything like that you know, athletes training and everything that too. You've also then got to understand that by moving this to 2021, the entire international sporting calendar has to change because you've got, what, 32 sports now at the Olympic Games, which all have individual sporting calendars that are all going to have to shift. Like the World Athletics Championships next year are saying, well, we're happy to move. But then you've got all these World Cup events for all these different sports in the Olympics that have to, you know, alter it. And it's going to have a trickle effect. And again, at the end of the day, we understand that you know human lives are at stake here and it's all about making sure that we don't wipe out the entire human population with this but you've also got to understand that this isn't a simple decision that a lot of people on social media and some commentators just seem to think it is like oh just cancel it it's fine and we go ahead next year it's all yeah. good you build them like whatever you know i mean this and i'm can't imagine if this had happened in uh, Rio four years ago, how that would yeah. have dealt Brazil, because we already know how much they're struggling after, you know, holding uh, what was generally considered a successful Olympics at the time. Yeah, and I, I'm sure all of us know somebody who has been laid off. I mean, guarantee everybody even listening, all three of you know somebody who's been laid off. And because of the way the situation is, you know, these people who are getting laid off just from working at a restaurant or whatever – their question is, okay, great. So this thing ends. Do I have a job to go back to? Does the company actually survive? What happens then? Do they have to do this, this, and this? So the same thing could be said here. What happens if you delays for a year? Look at the NHL and the NBA. You know, they basically run at the same time in a lot of the same venues. And it's not just as simple as what a lot of people are suggesting, saying, well, if this thing blows over in a month, just, you know, pick up the season where you can or just start the the uh, the playoffs. Well, you have two separate organizations that both are running their seasons and playoffs at the same time in the same venues. That takes an incredible amount of coordination. And like you said, Ben, what are you going to do when you have dozens of different sports and you now have to coordinate this? And then you're competing with whatever else was already booked for these venues a year down the road, which is 
typically how long things book out. I mean, it's going to be a logistics nightmare. Yeah, and this is the thing too, like in relation to like NHL, NBA, obviously in Australia, we've got the AFL, NRL. I mean, all sports basically around the world are off, but it's all well and good. Like if this keeps going for a couple of months, the NHL, NBA can easily just go, okay, the season's a write-off. You know, no no champion this year. We'll come back next year. Um, and it just it's a, it's a cycle. Any sporting, you know, yearly competition is a cycle, isn't it? You just keep going and it happens. Again, the Olympics is not that simple. It's every four years in one city and once that city has hosted it, that's it. It's not like, you know, we just go back to Rio in case Tokyo doesn't happen. I mean, I know they talked about that, you know, worst case, oh, Rio's not ready. We can just hold it in Melbourne tomorrow. Like, logistically, that's never going to happen. You know, it's all well and good to say that on paper, but it, it's it's not that simple. Um, but, yeah, and the ironic thing is, is that the last time we had uh, a situation where Olympics had to be, well, in this case, they were obviously cancelled due to the war, uh, the first time that happened back in um, during World War II, I mean, obviously it happened during World War One. Berlin got cancelled in 1916. But uh, 1940, Japan, um, twice it happened to them in one oh, year. Sapporo, uh, the Winter Games. Can't catch a break. Uh, and then Tokyo, and they had some sharing there with Helsinki going on as well. And Garmisch had some of the winter events too. So... Um, yeah, Jared, poor old Japan, eh? They just, uh, are they a curse on the Olympics? Do we need to look at this? Um, not as big of a, a curse as, uh, Swiss, uh, <laughs> multivitamins. So, um, I think on the scale, they're kind of sitting fairly okay at the moment. <laughs> Coronavirus is the Swiss multivitamins of diseases, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Better on Swiss or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to kind of think that I'm, I'm somebody for like trends and, and things like that in history and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so I think Jared, you might've mentioned it. Are they still looking at calling this Tokyo 2020 next year? I mean, should this not be called Tokyo 2021 next year? I mean, you would think so, but I, I, as far as I see on everything, it's still like the branding is the same. So I don't know. I think they it, printed it'd be the weird. signs. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody get a sharpie, scratch it off, <laughs> cross it off. Um, I just I feel like I should point out the obvious here too. Uh, we've we've talked about it on the show before, but let's bring it up. Hobart's still ready to go, people. Hobart 2020. <laughs> Just saying. Um, hey, I'll be honest. Flon. Yeah, Flimflon. Yeah. Ma- ma- I'll be honest right now. This is all my fault. I started COVID-19 so that we could get the Olympics back. Yeah. I was that angry <laughs> that we missed out on the 2020 Olympics. That Here we go. We're ready to go. Um, well, I mean, you, I think we also talked a little bit about uh, how athletes now all of a sudden uh, who maybe were injured right now and can't make it or things like that have an opportunity and, and the ISC haven't clarified what this will mean for, you know, qualification and things like, cause obviously I think there was 60% of the athletes had qualified or something like that. I, there was a number I read the other day. Uh, so will this still count next year? Because, you know, does, does that need to change things there? One such example I saw, which is kind of is a positive, uh, our girl, Chloe Esposito, uh, she's pregnant at the moment. So she was going to not be at Tokyo this year. And she said she would be back in 2024 in Paris. She no doubt would have had a baby before next year, so uh, that puts her in a good spot. So she might be able to enter there. But I'll start with you, Jared. Do, do you think there needs to be some clarification, or, or what do you think is the fair clarification here? Should they still keep this strictly on rules for this year, or should they open it up a little bit depending on how things change in the coming months to allow for extra people to try and qualify and sort of wipe the slate clean? I think it should be flexible. I think definitely kind of athletes who have earned their spot already, um, there should be some form of safeguard for them. But um, 
I think you want to have kind of the best games you can possibly have. And to me, that entails having like the best possible athletes and, and the leaders in their field. So, yeah, in certain cases, I think, uh, particularly, yeah, with the Chloe Esposito example, to have like a gold medalist come back and defend their title, I think should be like a priority where possible. So I think if people are injured or there's other circumstances and they're at the top of their particular sport, then I think they should definitely be given a chance to, to qualify. And, and, and I don't know how they work that out in terms of qualifying spots and whatnot, but um, I think, yeah, it's kind of uncharted territory and there needs to be flexibility to make sure that the best athletes are there. What's your thought, Colin? And were there any sort of notable Canadian athletes who maybe were going to be missing out this year who all of a sudden look like, hey, I'm going to be fine for 2021? Uh, I don't know of any specifically. First, I'll just say, if anybody here is crying upstairs, don't mind it. There's Chloe Esposito's baby was just delivered. Uh, oh, but, nice. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, Chloe. I don't know if this is it, like completely off topic, but you know the Wi-Fi really sucks now because everybody's at home. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm plugged in, you know, hardwired in downstairs. You're gonna hear some screaming. Um, no, I don't know of any specific ones, but I mean, it, it is an interesting point because I, I know, for example, Andre DeGrasse, who you know was at the point of you know, the last Olympics in Rio, you know, second in the world, yeah, and he's had tons of injuries since then. I think he was in good shape now, but I mean, he's coming off of injuries. Was he going to be able to qualify? Was he going to be able to be in the best shape possible? Now he's got an extra year to work on it. And also remember, this is for a lot of these athletes, it's going to be an extra year of just straight recovery and training. There's no competitions going on this summer. Um, As far as the qualification goes, uh, I do agree with Jared. I think you have to make it flexible. And a lot of things are just going to happen naturally too. You know, you're going to, yeah, there's athletes who are injured now, who may have a chance if you you know allow them to qualify again in a year, but you're also going to have other athletes who already have qualified now that a year from now they may tear their hamstring and they suddenly can't compete. So I mean, they're going to have to have some type of flexibility when it comes to this or make exceptions. Uh, I don't think you should do just a complete do-over and say, well, whoever qualified now, you have to do it again next year, you know, because that wouldn't be fair either. But then even at the same time, you know, are the, if these people qualified now, are we going to be getting a lesser athlete because a year from now they're not in the shape they need to be? So maybe you do need to just do qualifications all over again in you know, another 12 months. We are really going to have maybe one of the most unique Olympics uh, with this uh, for sure because, you know, yeah, there's just so many questions around this because, um, you know, I've been reading a lot about, um, you know, certain, say, football teams and that and competitions in Australia who they're on lockdown, they can't train. So, like, you know, their season might begin in May. I'm sure this is the same with NHL players, NBA players. Like, how are they meant to be training without a, except a makeshift gym? Like, it's only so many treadmills and stairs and all that you can do doesn't mean you're bouncing a ball or shooting a park or kicking a footy, you know, things like that. Like, yeah, it's... And certain sports, like, I mean, uh, an equestrian rider, you know, <laughs> training their dressage. Or what, what if their beloved horse, like, dies of coronavirus, you know? <laughs> like, bat horse. Yeah, bat, bat, bat horse. <laughs> exactly. Like, think about bat horse, people. Um, I miss You know another horse. thing that ha- hadn't occurred to me until probably just a couple of hours ago when I was thinking about what we're going to talk about in here? Like, what are we going to talk about? The Olympics are cancelled. Let's talk about it being cancelled. Um a lot of these athletes, you'll have the big ones like in track and field or swimming where they're never going to have sponsors dry up. But even just through a lot of the interviews we've done with athletes in big sports, like, you know, the the moguls ones I did, especially here in Canada, I thought with the, the Canadian moguls athletes that, you know, I interviewed, it would have been because this has network TV coverage and it is considered of amateur sports to be you know fairly well known 
most of them are like, yeah, we don't get a lot of sponsorship, you know. And I remember interviewing Evan Dunphy, who uh, you know was the race walker. Uh, who had a pretty dramatic story last year, and he's already been posting, you know, oh, I lost this sponsor, but I think I have a new one. If there's nothing going on for a year, are the sponsors going to drop all these people? Are they going to have to, you know, fund training themselves? Are they going to be working at Tim Hortons, you know, so that they can, uh, you know, <laughs> get get some time on the track? Uh, it's there, there's just us. Oh, it's crazy to think that, you know, oh, what are we supposed to talk about? Cancel Olympics. And there are so many different variables that just nobody has a clue what to do with it this time. Jared, you might pop down to your local McDonald's and Chloe Esposito might be there. She might be, you know, behind the counter. You She's working check. the till. Yeah, she could be. Got to make a living, get that sponsorship money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, who knows? Pay for um, a couple of flights. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ryan Lochte's already gotten a job somewhere, probably. Like, hey, man. Pole dancing. Here's my, here's my resume. Pretty good. Uh, <laughs> from Ryan Lochte's resume, that'd be a good read. Uh, be a quick read, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, also it would be spelled. <laughs> yeah, and it's also another thing too. Uh, again, the trickle effect. Think about the, the these multi-billion-dollar television deals. I mean, television networks block out content around Olympics in Olympic years. Uh, so, I mean, now all of a sudden they're scrambling to having to find weeks worth of content. I mean, Channel 7 might have to find some good content for once, Jared. I, I, I know they announced their commentary team just before all this got um, dropped. But, I mean, maybe all of a sudden we're going to see, like, Bruce McAvaney, uh, you know, on Married at First Sight or something like this to try and entertain some people. Uh, they'll probably run um, classic Olympic moments that aren't classic, but they think that they're <laughs> worthy of it. Or reruns of the mole scheduled at a different hour <laughs> each day. So, in other words, they're just going to show swimming highlights, and they're just going to show Sally mm-hmm. Pearson's run about a hundred times as well. You know, on that note, um, I, there are so many gaps in schedules even right now, just because of things that like sports getting delayed. But you, you're at the point where almost every TV show, just regular scripted TV shows that we're filming, didn't get to finish their finales, and some of those are being pushed. You know, Jared's an amazing race fan like I am. You know, he knows that there's been an amazing race season that's been sitting in a can for over a year. And for some reason, they're still not airing it. But yet, if you see on CBC here in Canada, Ben, I don't know if you you know uh, have looked at the guide, but because of all the uh, Saturday and Sunday afternoon sports that we normally watch, which typically are amateur sports, network TV coverage of amateur sports, they have nothing to air right now. What they're doing is they're airing uh, two hours of a classic Olympic event. Like last week, they had it was either Sochi or Pyeongchang, the uh, the figure skating finals. And I think this week they've got uh, bobsledding from Pyeongchang that they're airing in place of that. I noticed that NBC is going to start to do that this weekend as well. You know, it's a good opportunity that we're 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 plugging the holes in the schedule with classic Olympic moments. But, you know, what is going to happen here for now? Because everything is delayed. It's the same thing with the movies. You know, James Bond pushed itself. You know, Wonder Woman's pushed itself. A lot of these other movies are like, well, there already are movies scheduled for release in October, November. There's only so many spots you can take, which is why you're seeing a lot of these digital releases. What's going to happen? Are TV deals just going to completely disappear because they don't have the space in 12 months? So this is where we all need to band together and um, film a movie and just get it released because we could be the number one summer blockbuster because one person could go yeah. and see it, $8 at the box office. Uh, there you go, uh, summer blockbuster. Oh. There's three of us, but only one of us is going to go see it. <laughs> That's yeah. how great. You know, it's going to be me. You two wouldn't go and yeah. watch it. <laughs> Reminds me of working with Ben. I'm not going to see that crap. Um, I <laughs> guess Ben Water with Vanity Project. <laughs> I guess unless there's anything else with this really um, 
that we're dying to talk about. I mean, we should really apologize that we didn't bring an episode to you last year. We were, we did plan, we did talk about it and it just fell through the cracks. Uh, you know, obviously we, we thought about, well, not really thought about, we wanted to do some interviews with some winter athletes kind of after Pyeongchang and all that sort of stuff. And I don't really think we've actually brought an episode to you since the Commonwealth Games coverage, to be honest. It has actually been nearly two years, but obviously we're not going to go through every single bit of Olympic news in that space of time. But, I mean, some of the big things I think really that we can maybe just quickly have some comment on, Jared, on Australian perspective, um, full full steam ahead for an Australian bid for the Olympics 2032, Southeast Queensland is is all go. Um, and apparently one of the front runners, I don't think there's been a whole lot of other big names put their, put their uh, name in the hat just yet. I think Indonesia's one and a few others, but... Um, what what's your take on on Australia? Uh, going to be thirty two years after Sydney if we get it. Uh, trying to get another Olympic Games. Yeah, I think that's a fair enough uh, space of time in between. Um, well, not in between bids, but in between successful bids, hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a a, a good decision. Uh, flows on well from the Commonwealth Games. I think kind of there's a proven track record there of, of holding big sporting events. Um, and uh, props, I suppose, to Queensland if they're able to uh, get that over the line. I think during the Commonwealth Games, a lot of the mood, there was a lot of questions and sort of people were talking a lot about this leading to a Olympic bid. And I know the AOC for a very long time have always said that Brisbane would be the next city to bid. And they bid, I believe, for the 92 games from memory and didn't get it. Obviously, it went to Barcelona. Uh, so they have bid before. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a right amount of time uh, for, for, for us to bid again. I think Sydney obviously was a very successful games. Um, it was what, 44 years between Melbourne and Sydney. So this is a little bit less time, but you know, I think it's, it, it would be a great opportunity. It'll be the first time we've had a Olympics in the Southern hemisphere since Rio. I mean, um, Asia's had a lot of Olympics recently. We're obviously returned to Europe for Paris and then for Los Angeles for 2028. Uh, so yeah, I think it would be pretty exciting. Uh, we should also probably mention too, an important fact, um, I'll, I'll mention about, the Canadian Olympic bid that didn't sadly happen for Calgary column. But I mean, that kind of ties us into the fact that the 2026 Olympics were also awarded uh, since we've last been on air. They will be uh, in Italy in um, Milan, Milano Cortina to be precise. So kind of a, a dual city bid here as this is the way they're saying a lot of the Olympics are going to be uh, going there. Um, Colin, uh, sadly, Calgary had to pull out. Uh, the, they basically had a referendum that said, nope, we don't want this anymore. Uh, a bit sad that that didn't go to Canada. Yeah, it, again, as an Olympic fan, you know, I was devastated because I could drive there if I wanted. You know, I could leave in the morning and be there for an evening sport. But uh, it was not received well. Like, even just when there was a big push for it, there wasn't really a lot of support, uh, maybe in Calgary, but outside of that, like people didn't seem to be for it. Again, it was the economics. Like this is going to cost too much money. It's too much of a risk. Which now, as we see, what's happening with Tokyo, it, maybe it's understandable. Uh, but I felt like it would have been a complete lock, and then the tide just shifted, and as you said, the public just became completely against it. You know, I was glad that Los Angeles did. Uh, you know, win the bid because that means you and I could go down there and yes. attend the Olympics together. Um, Jared, you could be in Brisbane it, over the course of just a few years. All three of us could actually be at the Olympics. Like you know, the the stars are lining up for us finally. Finally, the world is rewarding <laughs> us for our hard work. <laughs> 
It's very much that case. Um, you know, finally, we might actually be able to qualify. We'll all be old by then. Uh, well, Jared, yeah. Jared will still be young. Um, I was actually surprised. I, I thought that uh, Sweden were going to get it. I thought Stockholm were going to get it, um, mm. but it didn't. I mean, Italy only had the Winter Olympics 20 years prior to this in Turin, so a uh, bit of a I'm surprise. I think of all the Winter Olympics, like uh, Turin just had its a feel to it. I think it was the crowd's energy, especially getting behind the... I don't think any other country has had that type of enthusiasm for their their own athletes. But just everything about the the 2006 Olympics just felt different to me. It felt really exciting. It felt very positive. And you know, maybe that was because it was the last time, you know, that we weren't so bombarded by social media and the media just looking to tear it down, where it was like the last chance to have fun with the Olympics. Jared, do you have any thoughts on Italy having the uh, Winter Olympics or, I mean, your memories of Turin? Uh, not strong memories. Um, I mean, I was also kind of Stockholm as well, but I think that's just because I, like, I went there last year, so um, was scoping out, hoping uh, that it would be worth it. But you know, um, I mean, it's it's Europe anyway, so I think uh, geographically spreading it around, um, that's still okay in my book. Canada, though, Colin. I mean, Vancouver. I think uh, sort of they're asking the question, I believe, for twenty thirty, but. Um, I think the issue around a lot of what's happening for, for Canada around multi-sport events, I believe that Hamilton are really pushing for the Commonwealth Games in 2030 because it will be the 100th anniversary of the first Commonwealth Games, and I believe Calgary, too, are seriously trying to get that bid. So, And basically, from what I'm reading, they're saying that the Canadian government are not going to support a Commonwealth Games bid and an Olympics bid. So uh, I would probably say more likely Commonwealth Games just because it's been a long time since Canada. Ah, the city I'm in right now is the last city to host the Commonwealth Games in Canada. Because well, 94, 95? Yeah, 94. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, do you have any thought? Would you would you, would you be happy with the Commonwealth Games or would you rather uh, an Olympics? Oh, I mean, I'd rather the Olympics. But, you know, knowing that it's still feasible for me to attend the Olympics, as I said, in Los Angeles or wherever else they'd go, you know, pretty much anything that you'd have in Canada would be great. The Commonwealth Games would be great to go to as well. I still regret that, you know, I, I never got to attend any of the events when the Pan Am Games were here. You know, even the Canada Games, I mean, that was incredibly exciting for me, and that's just Canada. So uh, any type of multi-sport event, you know, I'm down for it. The, I mean, the good news for Canada, though, you've got at least 10 games of the 2026 uh, World Cup. So, I mean, I don't know how much of a soccer fan you are, but I'm excited for that at least. So that, that's <laughs> that's technically the biggest sporting event in the world, if you... you well, how you read behind it. dressage, let's be behind, honest. Behind dressage and Ryan Lochte's ego, so there you go. Um, yes, for me. Yeah, synchronized swimming World Cup. <laughs> yes, uh, that 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 of course will still go ahead during COVID nineteen because they're just underwater, so it's you know, they don't cough or anything like that. Uh, I don't know if we've really got anything else to add. Uh, is there anything glaring here that I'm missing, guys? That I feel we, we need to discuss here because I mean this was just kind of a it was almost just an episode. I think we all came together at the beginning of the week and said like. Olympics have been cancelled. We should really do one. Yeah. I mean, again, we've been saying this for about six months. We should do an episode, guys. But uh, anything else we want to add at all? No, well, just, I think we I, do promise I, people. Well, I was going to say we do promise people that uh, we are not turning into an Olympics cancellation podcast. You will hear from us when good things happen as well. Jared? I think the loss of our, our champion hurdler is worth a mention because our Channel 7 oh. will struggle... Yes. Uh, with what repeats to play. But, uh, yeah, Sally Pearson officially retired uh, August of last year now. Um, that is a but, very uh, good point, Jared. Yes, no. that um, No chance to defend her gold medal from, which what, it's, eight yeah, years eight ago. Yeah, eight years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, look, I think the writing was on the wall a long time for Sally because um, 
sadly we saw all that happen around the Commonwealth Games and everything. But um, yeah, that was it's 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 weird because like you know you you obviously understand that all athletes are going to eventually retire one day, and it's sad, but. When they're a particular favourite of yours, like uh, Sally's always been a favourite of mine. I mean, we've talked at length about just uh, coming onto our stage in 2008 at the Beijing Olympics with one of the best interviews you will ever see. Um, and just, yeah, she just, she raced into our hearts, Sally, to sound like Bruce McAvaney. But, um, you know, all the best for an Olympic champion. What, a three-time world champion, was she not? Jared, did she win three world Yeah, I believe so. I so uh, and a silver medalist, of course, too. So she she had a very similar career, I feel, to like Kathy Freeman. I think in terms of just how she had a very similar success. Um, but uh, yeah, a great a great Australian athlete, and sad to see her retire. Any big Canadians that have retired recently, Colin? That are, that you feel need a special shout out at all? Uh, summer athletes, no. Um, uh, the, the big drama isn't necessarily at retirement, but uh, for the Winter Olympics, uh, I guess the, the big bobsledder we had, Kaylee Humphreys, who's one of the most recognizable athletes in Canada, she had so many disagreements that she just decided she would jump ship, and now she's an American. So she'll be competing for America in the next uh, Olympics. She's, she, she's really not being received well here in Canada. Uh, I think the more exciting thing is just the the emerging athletes, I think particularly in swimming, because Rio was so huge for Canada in swimming, mostly Penny Alexiak, but, you know, just the team as a whole just making a lot of ground up. And even since Rio, you know, we've had two or three other swimmers that are gold medaling in different, you know, world championships events where Penny Alexiak is almost struggling to keep up. I mean, she had a big slump, uh, I think, the, the first world championships after that, and then it's come out in the last year and said yeah you know i was getting lazy i wasn't taking things seriously and i'm back now so uh, i think swimming is going to be our event come tokyo 2020 2020 2021 2022 20 20 something how's your uh your trampolina lady what's her name oh uh, rosie mclennan there we go Thank uh you. you know i i i think she's still in it for one more olympics uh this will probably be her last she's been one of the main athletes that uh actually i need to look because uh She's been very vocal the last couple of days. Maybe she, uh, maybe she stepped into more of an admin role now. That's that was interesting. But yeah, mm. she's been pretty much the main spokesperson for Team Canada during all this. And I was just watching probably about half an hour before we went on the air here. You know, she had some type of big Skype interview thing with her and several other athletes where she was kind of leading it, saying, "Yeah, these are the reasons that we actually canceled it." So. Um, uh, and if she is in the next one. It's guaranteed to be her last. You know, I think she competed in the World Championships recently, but uh, this will be probably her fourth game. So um, uh, she'll be a huge ambassador one way or the other, even if she steps away from the sport. Quick correction. I, I mentioned 32 sports, 33 sports, of course, happening in Tokyo. And uh, disappointed we're not going to see, like, competitive climbing. We're going to have to wait a little bit longer for that. Oh. Uh, still looking forward to seeing that. Jared, actually, one quick thing, too, which I think is important to mention just in some Olympic news. Uh, since we've been off air, Australia did announce that we would have dual flag bearers, uh, a male and a female, which I believe is the first time that has ever been done in the Olympics before. So, uh, yeah, pretty groundbreaking moment there, Jared, that we're going to have, yeah, two flag bearers. Yeah, Chloe and um, what's-his-face, Max? I don't know her brother's yeah. name. <laughs> I, I, I think uh... there's a big push for uh, Paddy Mills to uh, be the male one because I think this is his fourth Olympics, I think, maybe. Uh, sadly, not Della Vadova because we know how much they love saying Della Vadova. But uh, do you have any, I mean, Paddy Mills, Chloe, would you you'd be happy with those two? Yeah, I think that would be a good combo. Yeah. Go, Je- go, Colin. You you sounded like you had something important to say. Yeah. 
Well, I just, in doing a little bit of research here on Rosie McLennan, uh, it, it looks like she still is competing, so hopefully it's good in another year. But uh, did you know Rosie McLennan's grandfather was selected as a gymnast for the 1940 Olympics in Tokyo, but was no. unable to compete as the games were canceled due to the outbreak of World War II? Oh. It's the McLennan family's fault. Goodness me, what is going on here? I thought we would have blamed. I mean, you're dead geez. to us. Don't don't say things like that, Colin. You know what happens on these podcasts when we say things oh, about people sorry. dying, you know? <laughs> killed Roger Moore, we killed the Olympics, we killed No Time to Die, we killed Eurovision. We're about to do Bad Movie Month. I think we're about to kill Britney Spears. Um, <laughs> quick, let's do a movie starring Taylor Swift. Let's do Cats. Uh, <laughs> um... I mean, this has been fun. I, I've really enjoyed being able to come back together. And look, like we, we said this at the end of our, whenever our last episode was. I can't remember. It was two years ago. Lots happened since then. Um, that we would try and do interviews. But again, as we were just saying off air, a lot of these athletes aren't really doing much. So if you're an Olympian and you're listening and you're bored, uh, <laughs> shoot us a message. We don't really have an email, I don't think, at this show, but... Find me on Facebook. Find Colin. Find Jared. Everyone finds Jared. Hi, Jared. Everyone likes yeah. Jared. Yeah, Jared's the nice one. Um, but in all seriousness, we'll... no, he hasn't. Jared's the nice one. Jared's the one everybody tunes in for. Um, I mean, seriously, over on the Oz Network, download now via iTunes. Um, you should see our listeners spike up for Total Drama Island and who's on every one yeah. of those episodes. Jared, <laughs> there you go. You, you mean I see what you're doing, Jared? You are you are the uh, the Lothario hunk of all our podcasts. <laughs> they tune in. For... Just working on the gradual takeover. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know where I'm going with that. I mean, I've been in isolation for too long. I'm going crazy. Um, like us on Facebook, sure. Uh, <laughs> subscribe on our channels. And we will have content for you, hopefully, a lot more often than every two years. So uh, stay tuned. We will try and get some people on the show and chat. Um, well, I, I do know I have at least one Olympian lined up for an interview. So maybe I'll contact her and we'll get her on the show. She's a bronze medalist from a water polo team. So we'll find out about that. Uh, Colin, thank you uh, for joining us. And um, thanks, Canada, for starting all this. You're, you're welcome on behalf of Canada. And, and Jared, um, if you, I know you're going to be bored in the next coming months. So, I mean, if there's something else you want to start up as a podcast project, let me know. I'm sure we can do something. We'll do. Looking to see how all this qualification turns out. And, and hopefully just those athletes can maybe just take the spot of Russia instead. And everyone else. Oh, yes, Russia got banned too. We should have probably mentioned that. <laughs> That's okay. By the time Tokyo happens, the ban will be over. Exactly. Exactly. Um, thanks for tuning in to Off the Podium. Uh, we will speak to you next time. Good night. Turning Japanese up, they come turning Japanese up, they're letting slow.